before we get going on this week's podcast, I want to take a moment to tell you about something exciting for high school sports fans across the country. SB Live Sports has launched a free iPhone and Android app featuring the latest California high school sports news, scores, videos, polls, photos, podcasts, player rankings, and much more. With the SB Live Sports app, it is now even easier to follow your favorite team. With real-time scores and news alerts, as well as video highlights, podcasts, photo galleries, rankings, game coverage, and much more, the app delivers all the content you want in one convenient place. The SB Live Sports app features exclusive content from on-the-ground reporters across the country, and it's your number one source for California high school sports fans with coverage from reporters Lance Smith, Bodie Da Silva, and me, Connor Morissette. The SB Live Sports app is available at no charge in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Download it today. Welcome to the SB Live California podcast. I'm your host, Connor Morissette, alongside Lance Smith and Bodie Da Silva, as we are nearly every week. Happy 2022. Happy New Year to everyone tuning in. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. So Lance and myself, we went to the Classic at Damien over the holiday break and have a bunch of takes and notes from that tournament. Bodie was down in San Diego, the Torrey Pines Holiday Classic, which was sponsored by our company, SB Live, which was really cool to see. So he has a bunch of takes, thoughts from that group of uh, games as well. But let's just start checking in. How's everybody doing? Lance, how are you doing? Are you excited to uh, see if Etiwanda can go wire to wire as that top team in girls basketball? I know they've had a really hot start. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been excited about them since the start of the year. Uh, I don't know how many other people. I know most people have them top three. I don't know how many people have them at number one. Uh, so I'm definitely excited that they're making making me look good. And, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to diving into uh, just basketball coverage in the coming weeks. Uh, so very excited. How about you? Doing well. Thank you. Yeah, excited to share some of these takes and observations I have from uh, Damien. Bodie, how are you doing? It was too bad. Didn't the championship game get affected as it did at Damien down in San Diego? Yeah, I mean, I, they did play through the brackets, but some teams were kind of moved moved along early on. Um, I know the goal would have been to to hopefully get a Bishop Gorman Dematha championship, and uh, Dematha pulled out prior to the tournament. So some teams were kind of given a non bracketed game and moved along, but ultimately, I mean, between the Holiday Classic and up at Damien, like they did the best they could and got in really more games than I kind of thought they would. So um, I think both were very successful. Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to start with an observation I had from Damien, kind of my take to, to start the show, and then we'll get into top teams and players from the events we were at. I want to start with Corona Centennial. So they didn't win the Platinum Division, even though they were named Platinum Division champions because Riverside Poly had a COVID issue. So Centennial ended up being named the champion, but the, the championship game couldn't be played. They beat... Some good teams, for sure. They beat a really good Korean-Lutheran game and a crossover game on the last day. Korean-Lutheran was probably going to be the gold division champ, but that game was affected as well. So Korean-Lutheran got to play Corona Centennial, and the Huskies beat him. But I'm seeing a lot of my fellow media professionals out there now putting Corona Centennial at 
number one in their boys' basketball rankings. I know the Times, Eric Sondheimer did, Frank Burleson at BurlesonOnBasketball.com. He's been consistent all along. The Curtis Centennial is the top team. And to me, I left Damian wondering more about Curtis Centennial and feeling better about having Sierra Canyon at number one in our statewide rankings um, than the people like Frank and Eric who have Corona Centennial number one following the event. They, I know they won it all last year, and they're still a really, really good basketball team. They're ranked in our Power 25. They are exceptional. But I thought in, for some stretches in Lance, I think you can attest to this as well, they were just sloppier than they were a year ago. Of course, losing Kylan Boswell is going to be a big, big loss. But bringing back pretty much everyone else because they didn't really lose any seniors at all from that team. I was expecting to see a little bit of a better performance from them, and they just have some stretches where they would just be off with turnovers or making the wrong play defensively. And because they're so good, they still won all their games. But Etiwanda, who's offensively challenged, hung around with them. Korean Lutheran, who they were beating pretty handily after the first quarter, got back into the game and tied it late. And maybe that has to do with just late December basketball, still relatively early in the season. But I know Josh Giles, just watching him on the sideline, he was really, really frustrated with his group at times, probably the most frustrated I've ever seen him. So I'm sure if I asked off the record if he was happy with his team's performance, he'd tell me no, and and he wanted to see a little bit more from them. Um, They also beat St. John Bosco in a game that was pretty close, and then St. John Bosco went on to lose their next two games. So... Uh, I just think overall they weren't as crisp as we saw in the spring. It takes a little bit longer for teams to to reach that level. So I understand why they maybe weren't as seasoned as I was expecting. But when they return all the guys that they did and really just have a better roster than just about everyone else at the Classic at Damien, I was surprised some of their games were so close. And I think that that is a good omen for a Sierra Canyon team who's trying to get revenge and beat them in the Southern Section Open Division playoffs. Remember, Isaiah Elohim is now eligible for Sierra Canyon. And Amari Bailey, their rumbles, he might not play at all the rest of the year, but even without him, I I still like Sierra Canyon a lot. And Corona Centennial, I like them too, of course. I think they're the clear number two, but I have Sierra Canyon number one and pretty firmly number one. And I just want to finish with, I wanted to see Jared McCain take a bigger step after Kylan Boswell departs, and I thought he had some stretches where he... Maybe wasn't, uh, you know, he turned the ball over a few times. And, again, he's a national top kid. But I I left Damian thinking, okay, yes, he's really, really good. But maybe losing Boswell affected him a little bit more negatively than I would have thought. So a few thoughts there on Corona Centennial. Now who knows, they'll come back and kill everyone and kill Sierra Canyon and and win the championship. But to me right now, I think Sierra Canyon's clearly a little bit better. Lance, do you have some thoughts with that? Yeah, and two questions before I get into the thoughts. Uh, one of them is, could you please fill us in on what's going on with Amari Bailey? And the second one is, uh, so you're saying that people who had Sierra Canyon ahead of them going into the Damien, then put Centennial above Sierra Canyon after the Damien? Yes, uh, the LA Times did that, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't want to rag too much on my buddy Eric, but yeah, that didn't really add up to me. And then with Amari Bailey, he was dealing with a lower body injury, like a leg thing, and then he came back and played against West Ranch, and then that was about, I don't want to say a month ago, but early December, and now he hasn't played since, and when he's you know, he's going to UCLA, does it make sense for him to come back and try to rush something to, to win another championship at the high school level? I don't think anyone would say yes. So if he's healthy, maybe we'll see him, but you, you just start to hear things that he might not come back at all, which... 
it's very nice that they have a, a sophomore All-American and Isaiah Elohim to maybe take his place if, if that's what ends up happening. But, yeah, the rankings sort of surprised me because, Lance, I, I know you saw Josh Giles a little bit animated and more frustrated than, I, than I've seen him, and I think we've seen him in the past. And uh, the Huskies at stretches, like I said, they just didn't look great. Yeah, I mean, I, it, that makes no sense to me, the idea of raising their stock after that. Like, to me, this was a very, very clear stock down for Corona Centennial. And they were still able to keep, uh, take care of business. Sorry, my voice is a little iffy today because I'm a little under the weather. But, um, yeah, I mean, coming into that tournament, people were saying, is there anyone here besides Damien who can even play with them? Anyone besides Damien who even has a chance to beat them? And... <clears throat> Like you said, the Creon Lutheran game hung in the balance and the Etiwanda game and the St. John Bosco game. I mean, all of those hung in the balance. Like it wasn't just a case of Centennial is coasting and then they put their foot on them in the fourth quarter and they pull away. It was Centennial. I, I don't even want to say they were coasting because they were playing hard, uh, but they weren't shooting it great. They weren't executing nearly as well as we're used to them seeing. And those games, the other teams had chances in them. Uh, so to me, I, I don't see any any way to slice it that that's not a clear stock down for centennial and does that mean that much when the gap between them and whoever is under them is fairly large and we're talking about teams like riverside poly and damien who i thought might be that clear third team and they also have a stock down performance in my opinion and i think everyone's opinion um i mean you're sure they have some room for error in terms of who's below them uh but as far as sierra canyon amari bailey or not uh, being ahead of them, I, I just don't like. It's it's news to me that they people now have them moving up above Sierra Canyon uh, after that performance. I don't get it. Um, I I do think with uh, Jared McCain, he's someone we're both high on. He can really shoot it, uh, but he's he's really good in a role where uh, he's kind of surrounded by by guys who can. Uh, do a lot with the ball in their hands. He's great as sort of like a super role player who can take over when needed. And that can be a tough adjustment, even when you're as talented as he uh, he is, to have a Boswell who's pulling up from 30 feet and can fill it up and, and is so comfortable being that guy. It, it can be a challenge for someone like McCain, who is so efficient and so crisp and clean and has a high basketball IQ to now we got now we're going to need you to be something of a volume guy or we're going to need you to be uh, hitting that clutch three um, instead of maybe making that clutch pass. So uh, I think with Boswell out and just the role that Boswell has, it makes sense that they need uh, a little bit more help or a little bit more time, I mean, to get some of the late de- late game uh, offensive execution down. But yeah, I mean, it was perplexing. Like you said, we saw Giles animated and uh, we just saw uncharacteristically close games and uh, low basketball IQ plays from that team. So I think see, I think they still have the pieces there to put it together to where, especially if Amari Bailey is out, they could push them and uh, maybe even have a chance in, in, in a game like that. Uh, but to me, to hear those takes uh, from other people that they are now moving up past Sierra Canyon after it, uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm just as perplexed as you are. And people will say, hey, they went 4-0, what are you guys talking about? But the standard they set in the spring, that team was firing on all cylinders. That was one of the best high school basketball teams I'd ever seen. So I think 
they set an incredibly high standard a year ago and, and now they're not living up to it right now would be a, a good way to summarize our takes, I think. Uh, Lance, I agreed with 95% of what you said there. Did you say you had Riverside Poly as sort of a stock down team? Did I hear you right? No, no, no. I, I have them as a big stock up team. Okay. It was Dame. Uh, it was Damien that I have as a stock down team uh, when I expected them to be that third peg. Like to me, it was Sierra Canyon's the clear one. Corona Centennial is the clear two. I don't, and coming into the Damien, I didn't know if there was a single team in, in the Southern section besides Sierra Canyon who could even play with Corona Centennial and then Damien being that third team. I thought there might be a lot of space between Damien at three and whoever is behind them. Uh, so for, for Damien, the stock down for them. And I, I was surprised. Um, a, a lot of things that we just said about Centennial, they return so many of their pieces. They have seniors. They have continuity. They're uh, legendarily well coached uh, and just kind of fell flat uh, and, and against some teams that we expected them to put away. And then obviously the loss uh, at the end, that was uh, surprising. So no, the D- Damien was the other stock down team I mentioned. Got it. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about Riverside Pauly. In a second, I, I, I agree with you. I think Damien, they'll, they'll end up being uh, a really strong team, but I, I agree at times they, they had some perplexing results. Uh, Bodie, let's get to you. So, Torrey Pines Holiday Classic, just fill us in generally what happened, and then we'll get into, we'll start with you. Who were some teams that impressed you? Yeah, so for, for impressive teams, a lot of them are the, the out-of-state, out-of-section out of teams. Uh, first, talking about San Diego teams, St. Augustine's a team that I've had number one throughout the season. Uh, they they were forced to play their games, which good for them. They got the games in, but they were missing four starters uh, and much of their bench. So it was Jurian Dixon and um, really a bunch of guys who he hadn't played with much. So they were they got a bonus with Darius Carter-Hollinger. He'd been a sit-out guy, so they, they welcomed him in, and he'll be a big piece for them down the stretch. But for them, it, it was really tough going. Um, I did see them beat Miracosta, but otherwise they they lost their other game, so it was tough for them. I, I kept them at, at number one in the San Diego section rankings because when they are at full strength like they were again last night, they can beat just about anyone in the county by 30, and um, they beat Madison, who's a fringe top 10, top 15 team by 40 last night. So um, I think as Saints get healthy and um, probably from their point of view, this all the COVID restrictions may be out of the way now that the majority of the guys have um, have gone through it. They're, they're a team on the rise. For San Marcos, they were number two in the county for me, and they had to pull out from the whole tournament. So a tough week. And by the time they play their next game, it's going to be just under a month. So we'll see how they get going throughout the rest of the year. Uh, San Ysidro is a team. They had a big win on the tip-off night um, and then went two and two in, in bracket play. But for me, they've moved up to number three. They're a school that when Mikey Williams and Jurian Dixon left after uh, that championship as freshmen, I think a lot of people just wrote them off. But there's a lot of talent there. They're one of the biggest teams in the county. Um, senior-led, senior-heavy at this point, but that's a team that in Division One, I, I completely expect them to be in open division, and they might even get a home playoff game or um, be a top two, three seed at this point. So uh, for the, the local teams, that was what I saw there. Bishop Gorman is a great team. Uh, we knew that. They've been in our top 25 nationally. Um, and I think what's most impressive is they're, they're really young. There's a couple seniors, Darian Williams, uh, Ryan Abelman, he's going to Northern Arizona, but that that sophomore guard combination, Jason Richardson Jr. is an outstanding player. Uh, John Mobley Jr., they both can really shoot it. Mobley at 13 threes in their, their four games. Um, Richardson, you can see the explosion. He's not as tall as his dad yet, but looks to be really young and on his way there. And 
Um, then they're, they have a 14-year-old freshman, Chris Nawuli, off the bench. And, I mean, that's that guy's going to be top five in his recruiting class. Like you, The fact that when you see him as just imagining what he can be as a 17-year-old, a all of 6'7", six, 6'8", six, and the athleticism and um, how he moves around. And, and he didn't play early on in their games, but come the, the championship game, he was just their best matchup out there to go against Faith Family's big players. And um, they come from 13 down there in the, the fourth quarter and get an overtime win. But Faith Family, a team from Texas, really impressive. Their senior point guard, TJ Caldwell, who said adult miss was great. Um, Coronado from Nevada, uh, Richard Isaacs Jr., player that signed with Texas Tech, I, a guy that was, it, it's crazy going full circle for me back in the, the days of me covering recruiting, seeing him as a third, fourth grader, watching his dad's teams in AAU and shooting around and now seeing him. And uh, and the, the third night he went for 38 points, hit 10 three-pointers. This is a guy who I would be shocked if he's not starting and starring from day one at Texas Tech. They were, they did a great job to, to grab him. I know he briefly decommitted ended up signing with them. So uh, those were the top stars from that point of view. And um, yeah, great to see some out-of-state talent and, and a Bishop Gorman team that, that's going to be in our top 25 nationally for the next several years. They've got so much talent up and coming and what I believe they've won eight or nine straight state championships. And I would be shocked if that doesn't continue again this year. Love it. Yeah, it's really cool to see how well Bishop Gorman's done. They had a big comeback at the Tarkanian Classic, I remember, and then the comeback against Faith Family very impressive they can play from behind pretty well uh lance let's talk about riverside poly our big stock up team after the classic at damien they won their games to get into the championship should have played corona centennial but they dealt with a COVID issue on the last day so they were not able to play what's so amazing about riverside poly is they only have i think nine guys on the roster and six are freshmen <laughs> which is crazy and then Three of them start, of course, and then the two seniors, Peyton White and Chance Stevens, are really talented kids. Chance, a great shooter. Peyton White, really a do-it-all small forward who I was really impressed with, just his athleticism. I remember in the Damien game, he kind of came out of nowhere to to block a shot from one of the Damien offensive players, and it would have been a, a layup in an easy two, and, and, and White out of nowhere blocked it. I think he just got an offer from Cal State East Bay, but to me he seems like a kid who – could maybe hold out and get something a little bit better. No offense to Cal State East Bay, but you know we'll see uh, how his recruitment plays out. He, depth has to be a concern with them. They only beat West Ranch, a good West Ranch team, but a West Ranch team that's up and down by one point in that first game. But they're sixteen and one. They clearly know how to win, even though they're so young. And uh, I, I don't know how you you could leave Damien and not think very highly of that team. Looks like a clear open division team. Again, on paper, there's some issues with the inexperience and the lack of depth, but. Those five guys that they start, Braden Berry is an extremely talented freshman, uh, looks great. I have a lot of good things to say about Riverside Poly. I think they're the team that impressed me the most from the state of California. By far. Uh, there's just so many good things you can say about them. And when I was watching them, I mean, of course, they were really good uh, a couple of years ago when they had Lamont at point guard. And, <clears throat> and uh, you know, they had a lot more vets back then, and uh, they're so well coached. So for me, with me last year in the COVID year, really not covering much boys basketball at all. They kind of fell off my radar. Like I, I knew they were still a great program, but I didn't know 
who was there. I didn't know that they would be coming back so strong this year. Uh, so when I saw them not really being familiar with their top players, I mean, I had heard of Chance Stevens and I had heard of Peyton, but uh, I, when I watched them play, and of course, even against Damian, they're a little bit undersized, like with Peyton White being their best player uh, or their biggest player, I mean, at six foot five, uh, like a wing playing the five basically at the high school level, I, I saw them and their defensive execution, I said, okay, here's a team with a couple D1 guys and then a bunch of juniors and seniors who know how to play within the system and will occasionally step up and hit big shots and they all play defense. And then we see them uh, shock Damien. And then that's when uh, you tell me, oh yeah, those other three starters were all freshmen. Uh, like I, I can't even quite wrap my head around it. And they just must be incredibly well coached. Like they look like they've been playing together for years on both sides of the ball, especially defense holding Damien to 56 points. And it's not like, yes, that was kind of a, a tough shooting game for Damien. Uh, but it's not like Damien went cold and they said, okay, we're just going to pack the paint and, and hope Damien keeps missing shots. Like that was a, a well-rounded uh, defensive effort across the whole floor like they were taking the pain away but they were still closing out on three-point shooters like they earned that defensive performance to hold Damien to 56 points and uh, I still don't quite know how to wrap my head around it the fact that they're doing it with three freshmen and barely any depth and the rest of the depth are freshmen as well uh, so you have to say Yancey Dodson uh one of the front runners, if not the front runner right now uh, for Southern Section Coach of the Year, especially when you look at, okay, they're 16 and one. Who'd the loss come against? Damien, which they later avenged. Uh, so that's that's probably my no number one take uh, of all of them from the tournament is Yancey Dodson, uh, front runner for Coach of the Year in, in at minimum Southern Section, maybe even the whole state, although you can talk about that better than I could. And... Uh, yeah, Braden Berry's super bright future. Uh, I mean, it, you wish that Stevens and White still had another year or two there uh, to, so that they could rise with this group of younger guys around them. Um, but just just uh, incredible stuff. I mean, I, I, I don't even know what to say uh, other than uh, singing all the praises in the world around them. Uh, I don't think they would have beaten Corona Centennial in the finals, but boy, are we like missing out because that would have been amazing. And even if they just came out and had a nice showing and played them close and gave it all they got, I think that would have been yet another stock rising performance uh, for Riverside Poly. So um, I, I think teams should be scared of them for sure. And uh, for Damien, I would have liked to see a little bit more like, okay, they have this incredible start to the season. They're 12 and 0. Uh, but then they kind of come, they, I, they, they don't sleepwalk into these games, but, against Jesuit once they got a comfortable lead against a Jesuit team that was missing Andre Stojakovic they coasted a little bit thought they should have beat them by more um, and, and then as the tournament uh, wound uh, just kept going uh, they started going a little bit cold from the field uh, RJ Smith had a great first game from three uh, but he started missing threes after that and just a lot of the team was a little bit iffy from three, but um, it seems like maybe they needed a little bit of a wake-up call that, hey, just because we're a great team and so talented and promising and we have continuity and uh, all the things in the world going for us uh, 
doesn't mean that we can play, you know, the, it's still 0-0 zero, zero coming into every game. And I, I thought Damien should have showed a little bit more fire per se, um, like they were playing uh, hyped up. But I, I would have liked to see a little bit more motor. Like it seems like they just kind of expected to roll some of these teams. And uh, I, I'm still high on Damien. But yeah, just wow. Uh, Riverside Pauly, wow. That's that's my word. And and to me, that stole the show. I mean, obviously, Creon Lutheran had a great showing and some other teams did. But uh, just how how is Riverside Pauly doing what they are with, with what they have? Uh, that was by far to me the show. Definitely. A few other stock-up teams. You mentioned Korean Lutheran. They have to be stock-up. Victorious Miller, as a sophomore, is the guy, surrounded by Kawat Keat, who's on his way to UC Santa Barbara, really good forward. James Agani, a big seven-footer, so they have the size. They have a good shooter, Parker Tuttle. They just have a lot of good pieces, and there's a reason they've won so many games this year. So I think Korean Lutheran sort of put their stamp, or, or excuse me, that uh, got their ticket to the open division, maybe put a stamp on the ticket to, to the open division committee, whatever I was trying to say there. I think they're an open division team. So uh, they, they impressed me. Rolling Hills Prep is my other big stock up team. They lost to Korean Lutheran, but the thing that I love about Rolling Hills Prep and, and this group that's coached by Harvey Katani, it's pretty easy to predict, predict if they're going to win or if they're going to lose. If the talent gap is way, like, significantly rolling hills prep it doesn't have the the talent to match up they're probably not going to win if it's a little bit better with the other team rolling hills prep's probably going to win and if the talent gap is even or the other team has a little bit less talent they're not going to drop the game they're so well coached they're going to beat who they should beat they'll upset a team here or there they have a a clear ceiling you know they're not going to come out and beat a corona centennial or a sierra canyon or a korean lutheran like we saw but I think outside of like that top eight, and they might even sneak into the open division. Who knows? But they're going to be a really good team in D one, and I think right now I, I like them to win division one. Benny Geeler, so smart, plays so well. Kenny Manzi, so so talented. J V Brown scored, uh, I think like twenty six against Korean Lutheran in a yeah. loss, and, and had had a three at the buzzer go just out. So t- to me, the big stock up teams after this: Riverside Poly, Korean Lutheran. In Rolling Hills Prep, all teams that are now, I believe, in our state top 10. Rolling Hills Prep might be 11 or 12, but teams that are really, really high up, and I think they will be for the rest of the year because they're so talented. Yeah, I I wanted to talk a little bit more about Creon Lutheran, especially because you were at that last game, the showcase game against Centennial, and uh, as as impressed as I was by them, uh, I didn't really think that they could quite play with Centennial. Uh, even though they have the size to do so. So I, I would love to hear a little bit more from that game, like what it was that got them back to the in the game when they were down against them. And I guess just uh, what you think Creon's ceiling is, uh, because you talked about the great players they have, the incredible Twin Towers, Victorious Miller, uh, Rui Han obviously had that breakout performance. Uh, I just not just as a point guard setting the table, but as a scorer and as as a two-way playmaker, um, their depth is impressive. You mentioned Parker Tuttle. Uh, they have Jack Fairchild coming off the bench. Uh, they have, oh man, I'm, I'm blanking, but they have another at least one or two good guards uh, coming off the bench now uh, who either started previously uh, or would start on most teams. So, I mean, they have the size, they have a great backcourt score in, in Miller and they have role players and they played Centennial close. Uh, so I guess what, what was it that got them back into that game against Centennial? And what do you see as their true ceiling this season? 
I think their ceiling is an open division team who maybe wins one game in the round robin. I, I don't see them going two or one, two and one, or three and zero, oh and advancing to the championship just because there are some teams like Corona Centennial and Sierra Canyon who, who are better than them. Maybe they could win in second games. So, you know, if they play Damien or, or Harvard Westlake, they, they'd be in it. But I think I'd probably take those teams ahead of them. And Lance. I agreed with you. Going into the game, I, I thought, okay, if, if I was an odds maker, I, I'd maybe favor Corona Centennial by like nine and a half in, in this game. And of course, Corona Centennial won by 10, so they ended up covering. But it was a lot closer, and it was like 56-56 with a couple minutes to go. Take nothing away from, from Korean Lutheran, but I, I thought that game said more about Corona Centennial and how they couldn't put a, a team away when, when they were in a position to do so. Um, and credit to Korean Lutheran that they, they made some shots, they, they hung around, that they did what they needed to do, they, they played good defense. But to me, I think it was like 22 to like 12 or something after the first quarter. Cronus Centennial was up big, and then in the second and third quarter, they let Korean Lutheran come right back into it. Uh, the Huskies didn't play the patented defense that we're so used to seeing. And, and even in the third quarter, Donovan Dent, who I thought was at stretches the best player in the tournament, ha- had some missed shots and, and some questionable decisions. So again, Korean Lutheran, they were given an opportunity by Corona Centennial to hang around in the game. They took the opportunity. They played up to that level of competition and did well. But I think if Corona Centennial was playing at that level that they were in the spring and, and that they're trying to get back to, it wouldn't have been that close of a game. We saw Devin Williams dominate in the first quarter. He had like three dunks, two block shots, and they were up, I think, double digits. And then that sort of went away. And I don't think that was Devin Williams not playing well. I, I think Korean Lutheran adjusted and said, we're not going to let this one guy beat us. Um, but there wasn't really one player in Korean Lutheran who was like, okay, this is why they're coming back. It was a team effort. that They're they're pretty high-level team obviously with all the guys we've mentioned but i can't really pinpoint to one thing that okay this was why they hung around to me it had more to do with corona centennial and if i'm being too harsh i apologize but uh that's just how i feel so i i I think we we saw centennial in that first quarter show what they're capable of they let korean back in the game a little bit and it ended up being close but I, i think to answer your first question like i said ceiling Maybe a win in the Open Division, maybe two, but I don't see them going to the Open Division title game. But Open Division team, certainly. So we'll see what happens. Bodie, let's go to you now. You you mentioned some teams and some players. Just finish off with maybe teams who you think really raised their stock from from California and any players you want to add. Yeah, Camp Olinda is a team. um, I know we've had them highly ranked throughout the state and finally getting to see them in person. Um, I've seen them in some summer events, but just a really impressive team that is not going to kind of intimidate you when they walk into the gym because it's a lot of just senior guards that are not the biggest players and they they just know their role. They're very well coached. They know what their system is. They went up against a bunch. I mean, their only loss was Faith Family Academy, who will overwhelm you at every position size-wise, but they they held their own in, in day one and then ran through the rest of the tournament, ended up just technically winning the consolation championship, though the way brackets were spread around, it didn't necessarily mean that. But a three-in-one week was really impressive. Um, I'm told that their one big player was not even with the team on this this road trip, but Aiden Mahaney, a, a great player, um, and and Cade Bennett, who's the the son of St. Mary's coach Randy Bennett, had a had a huge week. One of the games, he was six of eight from three just in the first half, and um, they just run their stuff so well. 
Um, it, it's no surprise to see all the success they've had in recent years. And, and I'm sure it, it'll be much of the case of it's just kind of whoever they bring in next, they kind of plug in. And once those guys learn the systems and, um, and improve and get older, that they have all that success. So Camp Linda was a team I was very impressed with there. Um, Clayton Valley Charter was another one. They ended up losing in the fifth place game, but um, they're, they're another very good team from Northern California. Jeremiah Dargan, their senior, uh, had a really good week out here. Um, it was good to see uh, Lincoln from Stockton. They have a, a top 100, top 75 player, Miles Bird, uh, lefty, who's signed with San Diego State, ended up choosing them over some really big Power 5 programs. And he's a guy who he had 25 points in, in the opener down here. Um, didn't have as much success later on, but you can see just how long he is in his frame that his best basketball is definitely um, ahead of him and um, likely a player that I, I see playing professionally here down the road, just 6'6 and can score. And um, he, he was another tal uh, talented player that impressed me. Thank you. For us, we posted it like you did, Bodie, the all-tournament teams that we selected, Lance and myself. Uh, so we talked about Donovan Dent at Corona Centennial, how he was the best player for stretches. He's so good at getting to the rim, great on defense. Talked about Benny Geeler. Liam Campbell was a sophomore from Owihi, Idaho, who was great, but we don't want to focus too much on Idaho this podcast. Uh, Peyton White, we talked about him. And then Devin Williams, all those guys were our, our first team. And then in the second team, just spreading it around a little bit. Dusty Stromer from Notre Dame was solid, as he's always been, a, a high-level kid. Jojo Hunter, the senior from San Joaquin Memorial, really great score, and he's big. He, he's a guy who I think could have a pro career for sure, whether it's in the NBA, I'm not sure, maybe overseas somewhere. But his ceiling, I think, is an NBA player because of his size. We'll see how that ends up going. Victorious Miller, the man for Korean Lutheran, he, he made our team. My biggest stock rising player, I think, even though Etiwanda went two and two, was Quinton Webb, because I did not know he had a jump shot. And then he came out and started swishing all these threes, not even like getting lucky on jump shots. Just he was just nailing some some long range shots. Crazy good athlete, crazy good defender, but I did not know he could shoot that well. So he was a big stock riser for me. Giovanni Ruff, the Long Beach Poly freshman, can do a little bit of everything. He, I was talking to some scouts. They like him to project as a point guard. I, I see more of like a six, 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 seven if he gets that tall forward. But you know, they're the scouts. They get paid the big bucks, so maybe it is point guard in his future. Either way, really great player. Talked about Stevens. Talked about R.J. Smith, Mike Davis from San Joaquin Memorial. Really good forward. Teaming up there with JoJo Hunter uh, and Davis only a junior. So I'm excited to see when he's the guy next year, what he looks like. Great scorer. And then Jazz Gardner from Los Altos. Lance, we talked about how impressed we were that he was able to step out and hit some shots. He was playing like a guard at times and he's a seven footer. So, you know, his ceiling is infinitely high as well. Really impressed with him. Lance, we'll finish with you. Any other players or if you'd like to add on to anything uh, Bodie or myself said about some of the guys we talked about. Floor is yours. Ooh. Well, uh, I know we almost have Andre Stoyakovich up there, uh, but he missed some games, so he didn't quite make the team, but we almost put him on there. Uh, he's really impressive. I wish I got to see him play a couple more times. Um, Jimmy Oladokun is a guy where when he's playing at his best, he has really high upside. I mean, he's a long 6'8", which means he can play a power forward at uh, pretty much any pro level. And when he's shooting, he looks like a guard, and uh, he can put the ball on the floor. He's mobile. Um, I've been intrigued with him for a couple years now, so um, I'm, I'm just excited to see where he goes. And I think he has the potential to put Damian over the edge this year. And uh, I'm just excited. Yeah, I'm just excited to see where he goes with that. Uh, really good long-term guy. Um, 
No, I mean, I think you pretty much touched on everyone. Man, Jazz Gardner. I'm trying to think of any time I've seen a seven-foot junior with as much offensive skill, like ready to go, not just, you know, kind of like how Evan Mobley was when he was an upperclassman. He had all the raw offensive skill in the world, but there wasn't, other than the ball handling and the playmaking, like there wasn't any one part of being a scorer where he really made his mark. And Jazz Gardner is totally different. Like he's never going to be that point setter, uh, but he is uh, a more ready-made uh, just back to the basket guy and stretch big right now than any junior seven footer I've seen. And obviously I've only been covering this for, for two and a half years, but you know, I've definitely been following on ball is life and what have you for uh, 10 plus years on, on those kids. So, uh, I mean, he's one of the most, uh, yeah, just NBA ready or at least pro ready uh, seven foot guys uh, with a with a clear refined offensive skill set uh, who knows how to implement that offensive skill set into a game uh, and make an impact. I think in addition to his his ability to drive and shoot from the perimeter, um, I think his passing is underrated. Uh, like his ability to read a floor, not just make a good pass, but read the floor uh, before doing so. Um, kind of hard to point it out without having film in front of us, but. Um, I, I just think that if he buys in at the defensive end at every single level uh, going forward, that he he could be starting and averaging 10 plus points a game on an NBA team within five or six years. Um, I mean, definitely some question marks. He doesn't have the prototypical kind of lanky vertical spacing rim oriented build of most of today's centers. Uh, but his skill set is so sharp. Uh, that I will be watching him more closely as an NBA prospect over the next couple of years than probably anyone uh, who's not on a certain team in Chatsworth. <laughs> Amazing. Dropping some of your uh, great scouting knowledge there, Lance. Thank you. I'll, I'll give you two more uh, quickly, just California guys. One from Northern California, Derek Sangster. He's a junior at Archbishop Mitty. Uh, was really impressive. Six seven, six eight. Shot it a lot better than I expected from him. He's a guy that has a lot of offers from WCC schools, Washington State. Uh, so over the next year, I think with his improvement, we'll see him playing big time college basketball. And then Dennis Evans, another one, all of seven one seven two from Hillcrest. Um, I was interested to see him in person because he's blocking eight or nine shots a game. And then you see these games happen. And once teams get a pers- uh, an ability to scout them, they, they really go, well, maybe we shouldn't be shooting in the paint at all because he can really block everything. And, and I think the, the most impressive thing was like he's blocking stuff outside of the paint too. And it's not just straight up with his wingspan and um, more athletic than I expected. And um, they didn't get him the ball too much, which kind of surprised me with his size advantage. But his hook shot looks good and pretty comfortable. So I think a year from now when he's just even grown into his body a little more, I mean, he's he's definitely a top 100 prospect in that 2023 class. And I expect these offers to flow in because some big-time schools are, are going to realize that it's a, it's nice to have a guy like that in the middle, even if it's not just for practice, whatever it may be. Like, you can't really teach that seven one seven two with length and and shot blocking ability yeah it's awesome to have two of those guys in southern california in that 2023 class with dennis and jazz gardner so those guys will be players to watch as we head into the playoffs and head into their senior years a year from now really excited to see how that all plays out thanks so much for tuning in this week to the sb live california podcast for Bodie de silva and lance smith i'm connor morissette we'll see you next time